0: Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. Now, most of you who are existing members of our community would know our two frameworks for life. The what is the eight areas of life, and the how is a circle of conscious living. Now, today, we zone in on the what. Most of you would know that at the center, health or your life force, and your life force is made up of four energies. It is the physical, the mental, emotional, and the deeper spiritual. Now, a lot of us in the Western world, we focus on the physical, the diet, exercise, sleep, relaxation, taking care of the cells of our body. But science tells us that the mental is 64 times more powerful than the physical, meaning that your mind can control your body. If you stop and think about biting into a yellow, juicy lemon right now, you could probably salivate, right? It shows you the power of mind over the body. And we've known that for decades. 20 years ago, a scientist then measured the frequency of your emotional energy, which is the third layer. And it showed your emotional energy is 5,000 times more stronger than your mental energy, meaning that your mind is no match for your feelings. If any of you have experienced anxiety or anger or any of the negative or positive emotions, you'll know that you can't really talk yourself out of it. But there is a synergy between the two. And there's a symbiotic relationship between the physical, mental, and emotional. But at a higher branch, we've rarely talked about the spiritual, which scientists say is impossible to measure because it's infinite. And I know in Eastern philosophy, they've always referred to the spiritual energy as infinite and extremely powerful. Now, I don't know about you. If something is that powerful, we really need to learn how to connect with that spirit because it can be the center of all healing and growth because there comes a point in all our lives where we need to take a journey of healing whether it is healing from the physical injury or emotional pain. Now, each of our journeys is different, and they can involve methods such as physiotherapy, meditation, sometimes even medication. But when we delve deeper and think about some religious journeys that provide a healing nature, we come across what is called as shamanism. Now, shamanism is the oldest form of healing on this planet, with ancient healing methods established by indigenous cultures across the world, long before organized religion. It's that spirit that connects all of us. And when it comes to shamanic practice, I'm intrigued by the major principles. And it's the idea of everything having its own spirit or spiritual energy that can be communicated with. And most of you would remember at Upgrade Your Life 2020, I talked about connecting with that inner intelligence or that spirit, because we all have that inner intelligence or that spirit inside of us. And it is a great leveler if you like. No one has, you know, intellectual property rights over the spirit, but that spirit is common amongst all of us. So when you hear a lot of gurus like Deepak Chopra talk about universal consciousness, it's that spirit that connects all of us. So to help us navigate this energetic healing practice, I'm joined by shamanic wisdom author and director of her creative counseling and healing services, Heather Price. With a Bachelor of Social Science and a lot of success in professional and personal training spaces, Heather's mission has always been to bring deeper meaning and joy to the daily practice of work and to create community and harmony within the workplace. So today, Heather and I will discuss the shamanic principles. It's like an introduction, if you like, to our community and its foundation, how to read science from the unconscious self, tips on discovering deeper connections with. Parts of ourselves and tips on how to release physical tension and stress as well. So, anyway, without further ado, welcome to a high branch, Heather Price.
1: Thank you, Sam. It's lovely to be here. I appreciate your invitation.
0: I'm completely intrigued to uh, do a deep dive into this conversation. I hope it will be one of many. Before I forget, as well, your website is shamanicpathandpractice.com. That's S H A M A N I C Path and practice.com so i i want to kick it off i guess by asking just the fundamentals what is shamanic
1: it's actually an adjective it describes the, the shamanic path it describes shamanism it's an influencer so shamanic practices have come from the original peoples of the land speaking of which one of the shamanic practices that we all have in common is that before we do anything else we pay respect to the country that we're on and to the original peoples of the land. That's just something that's part of the shamanic nature. So right. there is no separation from country. There is no separation from wherever you are, you appreciate where you are and you include. You're inclusive of the inanimate as well as the animate beings around you. And the first thing to do is to acknowledge that there are living spirits from ancient spirits who have been here since the creation of mankind and the ones who took care of the place before you. So it's respectful do that and also to respect the elders and the wisdom keepers and the visionaries like it was once described to me as where there is no time there is no future there is no past it's like everything's happening right now and so you include all of that when you drop into any deeper space or any conscious space shamanic is a, a word to describe the way to walk the shamanic path
0: okay so how do we use shamanic principles in our everyday life to improve the quality of our life Most people walk around at the moment saying, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't describe it as a religion. It's not documented as a religion. However, I don't think you can separate it out from that place of worship, because in a way you do worship nature and you worship life itself. And it's not that you worship a god, but you might worship an idol or you might worship a crystal as in like you have a sacred conversation. That's what I think of as worship. So it definitely is a sacred path and a sacred way. And the contemporary version, which is called neo-shamanism by scholars, is a new shamanism. It's a new practice, a new way. But the original word comes out of Siberia, which is in North Asia. And it comes from the Tungus tribe. And the word is "shaman," for one who knows. So it's the one who has an inner knowing, that inner intelligence as you described. A wise person who's in touch with nature. And you can't separate nature from spirit on this journey and this path. I describe it as the world above meeting the world below, meeting the world within, and then taking all of that to the world around you. It's a multidimensional consciousness, multidimensional intelligence. It is a creative spiritual intelligence, for sure. It includes ritual, it includes ceremony. There's no separation so much between what's happened in the past and what's going to be happening in the future, in that we take with us our ancestors, they walk on our path with us. And if we map that across to science, we have a genetic coding and a DNA that is forever imprinting our experiences, our thoughts. It's forever imprinting our emotional responses, physical responses whether we're aware of it or or not more so than ever we've become aware of that genetic influence whether our addictions might come from our genetic influence so we can't really say that we're walking alone we're walking with our father or our mother's addiction or our father or mother's beauty our father or mother's capacity to produce and create that drive it's an influence that we have. So we acknowledge that influence. We don't just say, yeah, that happens. We acknowledge it. So how I do that is if I go into ceremonial ritual, I acknowledge my ancestors with my clients. I say to them, so where do you think these traits or these archetypal symbolic energies, the collective conscious energies, that, something like the victim or the uh, saviour or the rescuer or the martyr, where, where are these behavioural traits coming from in your family? let's have a look at where they've come from in your blood. And however, unlike a lot of practitioners who focus on the dark and shadow sides, I focus on the light a lot. And I say to them now, let's find in in your ancestry the ones who walked opposite to that so that we can bring their energies into now and we can activate those because our mind has a tendency to go to the woundedness, to the woundedness that's still It's not past because it's just been suppressed within us. I teach people to look at the true heart consciousness, which is the essence and the spirit of who we really are. So my terminology for spirit is your essence, your truth, whatever brings you joy. It's the original imprint and blueprint that you came in with that you're here to retrieve again. So a lot of shamanic practitioners will retrieve the dark side. I tend to retrieve the light side and the true blueprint of the soul.
0: Wow, I love that. When you were talking then about our fathers and mothers, my, my father passed six years ago now. And it's funny, this morning I did a PT session with my trainer, Luke Currie, and I had to do five sets of really intense cycling. Anyway, I got to my peak and then I crashed on the next set and I just couldn't maintain the pace and the target that he set for me. So my energy usually goes up, peaks, and then it goes down. But on the fourth set where I thought I'm on the down, it was funny. I felt my father's spirit and he spoke to me. It wasn't in English. It was in Arabic because I'm of Lebanese heritage. He said, don't worry, son, your heart is strong. Keep going. You'll be fine. And I just felt that. Now, I don't know if it was just psychosomatic or what have you, but that next fourth set, Luke looked at me and he said, that was your best set. What happened then? So when you were talking, I I couldn't help but feel that's the experience that I had. I connected with that light that my father, obviously that light is inside of me and I inherited that from my father and he comes to me every every now and then. So is that something, is that what you
1: about? Yes, for sure. It's often the voice in the back of our head. My specialty is working with the inner voice and the voices that guide us. I like to talk about that because I've had a voice that's guided me ever since I was a little girl. And it's a voice of a wise, old kind of wisdom. And that voice alone can be the one that gets you to cross the finishing line. But you can also hear your mother and your father speaking to you. And often it can be in ways that may not bring you great joy. But if you look for it, you will find the wisdom. And I think that's a beautiful thing to do with somebody who's in your family who's passed on. Because your father would have probably said much the same thing to you when you search your memories. And yes, it might just be a memory. And it sounds like a memory. Like I say to people, when you hear that voice, it's like remembering a conversation that you've had with somebody a few hours or a few days ago it's that kind of voice it's not a voice like you're talking to me it's just you're remembering a conversation voice and yeah you hear this kind of voice in the back of your head pushing you across the finishing line which is taking you beyond your comfort zone often better than anybody that we have a limit in in terms of I think it's at 40 percent of our capacity is used to every day and then we need to be able to reach that other 60 percent and so those voices help us reach in that little bit further and it would be affecting you on many levels that voice so it would affect you on a physiological level emotions behind that will be driving that capacity
0: it's hard to describe it was like an emotional feeling coupled with that voice coupled with the his words
1: yeah
0: and have you heard of david goggins
1: yes okay so Mm. yeah
0: so you've heard him talk about the uh, the quitting mind and when the quitting mind kicks in you're really only at 40 percent of your capacity I I love that because I always think, wow, what's on the other side? What's in that 60%? You know, so when you were talking about it, I couldn't help but feel that. The other thing I, I thought of when you were talking was when you're talking about your inner essence, I think a lot of people confuse their inner voice and the mind chatter. We have so many distractions with work and phone calls and Instagram. So we begin to think that we are our thoughts rather than knowing that we are the inner essence that witnesses our thoughts so my question is how do we make our inner essence a source of light and hope and confidence of trust in the universe how do we transform that darkness into lightness how do we get in touch with our inner essence so we're living consciously more we're witnessing our thoughts we're witnessing our emotions
1: one of the principles of the shamanic way is to be curious and not just to accept what is on face value. You're skeptical. Yes. And so I think as a witness, we need to be skeptical of the voice in our head, which is a different voice to the wise advocating voice. In fact, there's a book called The Wise Advocate, which is a dear friend of mine, Josie Thompson, uh, is a co-author of that book. It's really worth looking into because it's written for corporate spaces. And so they talk about the wise advocate, which is that inner voice of wisdom that will be witnessing, that will be discerning. And so that automatic response is often coming from your instinctual survival response. So a child who's had constant trauma in their life, and they're a survivor of those difficult situations that keep their adrenal responses on alert the whole time. They form belief systems around their reality from a child's perspective that aren't particularly going to help them as an adult to run when someone raises their voice you have to challenge that behavior so those imprints are stuck in the child's voice so often we hear that voice that resists it's attached to belief systems from our experiences of complex trauma they call it in psychology and that complex system of adrenal response that we just get used to doing and we have it switched on which can create anxiety of course So we have to look beyond that voice that is reactive and try to have a more conscious response. So to ask the questions that need to be asked. And often what happens is when you're in that state of trauma, you dissociate. To be able to come back into this body. So your spirit has left. Your spirit is looking for a safer place to go to when you're under duress. If you had that experience as a child where you've dissociated, you will escape to another world for safety because that little child cannot endure the types of abuse that can happen. And so their spirit leaves while the physical body is being abused. And that's why memories aren't there for them because their spirit carries the memory. And it's only when you step back into that empowered adult who can manage those traumas intellectually can reason with them and place them in a safe place that those memories might start to come back out so that the spirit starts to come back into the physical with therapy and with help and with support and with programs like you you have it's like a maturity and then the the different voice starts to take over and replaces that instinctive reactive voice and, and action it's not only voice, often we act on that voice.
0: Wow, okay. So I read once that as children, when we're too young to understand and we're overwhelmed with these emotions, whether it's from apprehension or trauma, that the only way to deal with that is to shut off those emotions. Is that the same thing? Are we talking about the same thing? I never considered it as a spirit leaving. So a lot of adults... Are carrying that through where they've just shut down their emotions they're numb and it's a bit of a tragedy because it's those same part of ourselves that also is a lot of untapped creativity and innovation that is within us that potential is connected with with that part of ourselves that we've shut down as children because it was just the emotions were too much for our little bodies to handle so we disconnected from them is that the same thing
1: Yes, and you weren't taught emotions, really, as a child. Unless you went to a therapist, often a parent may not know how to isolate particular emotions and and encourage a child to recognise the difference because the parent is often coming from a reactive space themselves, unfortunately. And this is why it's so important to be educated. And two things. One is trust and the trust cycle. And also for us to be the educators, I think what often happens when people go to therapy, it's like you you go into this realm of trust that you didn't have when you were a child. So you learn to build the trust that you didn't receive. And so the therapist can help be there for you to rebuild that experience of trust and to help the inner child learn how to trust because it's the trust cycle that's been interrupted. So we naturally will trust as a small child, but soon if it's been imprinted on us that we can't trust, then we form a belief that we cannot trust ourselves, we cannot trust others, we cannot trust situations, we cannot trust that we have enough resources inside of us, we can't trust that we have the physical resources to take care of something because that wasn't taken care of as a child by that responsible adult they didn't have the resources either so to go in to build a new relationship with somebody who's wise and that can happen with podcasts too you're doing it all the time they hear a different perspective and it broadens that person's mind and we educate I think that's something that I love to do and marketers tell you not to do but you know but you want them to come back for more and more. For me, I want to load them up with this, all these fantastic daily practices and move out there and take care of themselves and activate that self-responsibility and self-leadership and not to be codependent on another person to be strong.
0: Oh, wow. I just want to stop you there. That's absolutely beautiful. That is what drives me. That's my mission. And you're right, the marketers will say, you give too much away, you you should be commoditizing this. And I say, I don't do this for money. I do it for love. And I do it because I love to see people realize that they are so much more than what they know. (laughs) Gave me goosebumps.
1: to trust that's your calling Sam you'll be creating the resources in another part of your life but in this part of your life it's about giving and that is what our spiritual health is about, I love your charity and I've tried to place it in my circle I have eight directions and it goes in them all, like charity is when you have that capacity to give physically, you have the resources to give for sure, then you have the emotional resources to give, that can be a charity just to listen to a friend, time can be your charity and having a helping ear and an open heart And then charity might be to educate. You're being charitable when you take the time to give more information to someone and to share your wisdom without charging for it. Just in your daily practices and your community service. And then, of course, there's the charity from spirit, which is when you do work because you love work, it's you live to work. You don't work to live, as they say. That's the spiritual. It's your calling. You have a purpose in all those other areas, in the physical, the mental, and the emotional. But in the spiritual... It's to honor what you're here to do on those more unseen levels. It will impact the visible world, but it's more about you growing, you expanding your essence, your consciousness, and connecting with the collective unconscious. What does the world need? What does the planet need? It's outside of your needs. As much as it is about you and your self-care, it's as much about then using that to take care of others in the bigger picture. Humanity's growth which is what we need right now.
0: Beautiful. That's why we hold our annual Upgrade Your Life event. Every year, we feel like humanity needs to hear a different message. We cancelled it for 2021. But for 2022, we've started planning. And I feel like anxiety at the moment is rampant in our society. We need to deliver a message that the world needs. And I feel like Everyone wants that feeling of confidence that where they can feel like, okay, I can experience stress, I can experience anxiety, but I have the tools and the daily practices, which is what I want to get onto next, of becoming invincible. So my next question then is, what are some daily practices that have their foundations in shamanic principles Yeah, that help us connect to discover that deeper connection with parts of ourselves? And also help us release tension and stress and neutralize that anxiety.
1: It's a great question for this particular way to walk because it will bring in a few new things for you. Yes. And invincible still hanging in the back of my head, I have to say. Perhaps daily practices to feel that you have partnership to assist you through this time so that every day you feel invincible. I think what happens is when we look too far ahead, We get shaky legs, as I call them. Yes. The anxiety comes up. In fact, I I did some vision boards with Countins last week and I did my own before I started. It says, don't overthink, just do it. So it's don't overthink things, just get on with your day. And that's been so good for me. And, And the other one was I have all the time in the world, so they're sitting there to remind me. And with the shamanic way, there are no limits on that inner world and there are limits in the outer world. You have to be realistic. In the visible world, there are limits, and particularly with your health and your well-being. Mm-hmm. However, you can imagine your world as being very different on the inside. And we know the power of our imagination. We know the power of our creative visualization and those images that we can have in our mind. So before I I start my day, nine times out of ten, I vision my day. So I actually watch it unfolding from when I leave the house or the, wherever I am to where I'm going and then beyond and then when I'm coming home and then when I'm coming back and going to bed. I, I vision my entire day. And it doesn't take very long. But the amazing thing is you'll find in that day the things that you've forgotten to put into your schedule for the day, things creep in that inner world. So it's really important to use that inner intelligence to guide you. And I know a lot of people might do this. They might teach this in personal training, but particularly for athletes. So it's much the same thing. We forget to do that. Do you do that? Do you you visualize your day?
0: Yeah, I always say you need to visualize to materialize. And in one of my podcasts, I think it was a recent one, I talk about the three rituals. I have three daily rituals that I bookend my day with in the first hour and the last hour. So those three rituals, just for everyone, just to bring everyone up to speed, is I wake up, it's movement, meditation, journaling. Now, there's also a blending between the three because sometimes when I go for a morning walk or morning jog, I'm visualizing, I'm meditating as well. But then when I sit down to meditate in the morning, it's a future-focused meditation. So it's a visualization of my best day. So I visualize myself, Walking into the office or going into a meeting. If I have a presentation, I visualize that presentation going amazing, everyone's smiling. So I create that world internally before I arrive. And the third ritual, morning ritual, is uh, journaling. So when you come out of that meditation, you have those visuals in your mind. Yes. Visuals in my heart. So it brings passion to the surface and the mind's reticular activation system kicks in. And then when I journal, I start seeing all the dots appearing to connect, to materialise that vision. So it might be to pack a lunch or read a book. The tasks that you need to perform are in the mind, but the actual visual is in the heart. I say the heart because that's where the emotions come into it, I guess. We always, you know, associate the heart with our emotional self.
1: Yes, and that can be our why too. That can be the driver. for another person, often I find with my clients, they're not always ready to do the why for themselves, but they'll do the why for their daughter or their son or the kids. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. Your family can be a big why.
1: <laughs> yes, they can be. People you love or even your spirit can kick in when it is something that's going to bring you a great deal of pleasure too. But if you go back to your setting out on your day, before we set out on our day, we have this sense of there being energies around us wherever we go and we can step into other people's energy fields. and They can be negative. And so we'll go outside and we'll greet the day and invite in strength in each of those areas of our life. So we've done our visualisation, then we'll go outside and we'll imagine as we turn to each direction of self, which is the eight directions, within, without, above and below, to the east, which is spirit, to the north body, to the west heart and to the south mind. And you invite in whatever it is that you need for the day, but more you give gratitude for those things as if they've already happened. So that's another daily practice and because of the way things are going, all my work's going online, so I'm creating a new website and I'll be putting this on as a gift to people where they can learn that daily practice. It's really a sacred practice but it's a a practice of connection with other forces around you that are benevolent, that are there to to walk with you, your ancestors who are walking with you, your inner guides, there's parts of you that are wise and true and strong and so you're inviting in, you're not, not just waiting for it to happen to you, So we call this co-creation. So you're co-creating your day, not just falling into your day. So you've done that and then you might have put on something to remind you of your strength, of who you are, which is what this crystal around my neck is about. It's, It's actually a stone. It reminds me of my true essence. So I just have a reminder of who I really am hanging around my neck and it's right over my throat to remind me of my truth. So it's just a physical talisman that's typical of the shamanic way, that will be a reminder. It's not just decoration. It's not a piece of jewellery. And then this one here is a reminder of my strength. It's a tiger eye, so it gives me the strength to take that extra step and to push through the barriers. So you have something to hold or turn to, but equally it could be a thought, it could be a word, it could be an affirmation or a saying or a declaration, something that you turn to to give you that, extra energy that you need in difficult situations so then you're dressed appropriately because even the colors that you select will mean something everything has meaning when you walk on the shamanic path it's very symbolic so you might dress when I first began to realize this as an artist that color carried a vibration I thought oh my goodness if I wear a particular color I can bring that vibration into my day which is extraordinary when you think about it and I can remember one of my early clients was a little girl who sadly had lost her sight through tumours and her eyes were taken out of her body. And she was terribly distressed because she couldn't see things. She'd had some memory but very little memory of colour. And I taught her how to pick up objects of different colour and to feel their different vibration. And we got to the point where she could actually identify that object through the vibration and she'd say, that's green, that's blue, that's oh, red. Wow. Yeah, and so colour carries a vibration. So if if you get to know your colours, and I was fortunately taught those when I studied art, I could tell which ones would give me passion and fire and which ones would subdue me more. And so you can call on those colours in your clothes as you walk out the door to give you that extra power that you need to manage the day. You will find this in corporate, how you power dress and looking at the seasons to guide you. That's really very shamanic to look at the seasons that suit your personality, whether it be autumn or summer or spring, yes. and dressing accordingly. And so we do that. We remember nature. And then you get in the car and you drive along, and guess what? There's a car crash. Oh, my goodness. So you'd vision getting to that destination on time. But here you are held up. This happened to me last week on my way to my corporate vision boarding. And I was in the car for 45 minutes. I just laughed the entire way because... I thought I'd given myself an hour to prepare now I've got 15 minutes and even though I'd visioned it and I'd done everything I could to get there on time here I was with 15 minutes left and I thought how do I want to arrive so in that 15 minutes the anxiety would have once built up to that I also left my phone behind so I couldn't ring anyone I've only ever done that once before (laughs) and so I'm sitting in the car I'm thinking once I would have cried or once I would have probably got out of the car at the next turn off and gone in and found a phone or done something to let someone know I would have been so anxious about them knowing that I was going to be late. Mm. But I've learned so much through this way. I thought laughter will just set me free. I didn't even think about it. It just came out. You have to laugh. You've done all you can do. What else can you do? I've done enough. I can't do any more. I can do is laugh. So I spent the rest of the time laughing and put some music on, relaxed instead of being anxious. And when I arrived, I thought the first thing I'll do is I'll ask for help. And I wouldn't have done that once. And it was all set up in 15 minutes for three people's help. They came in and they just helped me put everything out. In fact, they did a much better job than me at it. And the gifts come from trust. And it all comes back to trust. If the biggest takeaway today is please trust your journey. Please learn to trust your journey, no matter what happens. Trust COVID. Let's trust it instead of fighting it. And let's look for the light in it and see where the expansiveness is, where the growth can be, where I can not step up. It's it's not about stepping up. It's about stepping in. This is my new way.
0: Yes.
1: Step into it. Explore it. And let's trust this and see where it's leading me. And how can I consciously take this journey instead of wanting to be through COVID, instead of wanting to be on the other side of it, I can be this magnificent self right now and shine my light and be that shining light for others
0: that's beautiful how can people feel that way if they're going through physical pain or emotional pain psychological pain it's a bit hard really to step outside of yourself because that starts to define your world say if you're a chronic pain sufferer what principles or practices can they adopt to help them deal with that or can you heal yourself
1: oh absolutely and i'm sure people who follow your podcast will have found that already there's so many amazing speakers that you've had come in to tell us that we can heal ourselves through our thoughts and our body but from a shamanic perspective it does come back to trusting the journey i think there was a book called tuesdays with bernie i wish i could remember the author's name it's about a dying man and his student came back and spent every tuesday with him And the dying man said he had a little birdie in his head that asked every day, are you ready to die today? You know, which was beautiful because it meant, have you done your business? Have you forgiven who you need to forgive? And I think when you're in pain, you have to trust that. You have to trust that the pain is there to expand your consciousness and you can give all your power away to the spirit of pain or you can actually speak to the spirit of pain and say, what have you come to teach me today? What am I here to dig deep inside of myself to discover about myself that I wouldn't have known otherwise? And the shamanic way is to meet the pain and to validate it and give it some time, to meet the trauma, to validate and give it some time, instead of suppressing it. But just if you're in the pain, to answer your question, go to the source of pain in your body. Where is it trapped in my body? Talk to it. See it as having a spirit. See it as having a purpose. And have a conversation with it. And See if you can draw out the age association to the voice behind it, to the, the pain in my shoulder. Go back to that. What age do I feel when I go in there and I feel this? If I go to the very first time I felt this feeling in here, go to the age, to the source. It might be age seven. So what was that? It's on this side of my body. So we always look at the left as being feminine and the right as being masculine. So where was that female in my life, that female that contributed to me feeling restricted, you describe the pain describe the spirit of that particular experience and then you look for the age association that we call it track travel back in time you track it in your body you travel back in time and then you transform it through compassion and love and you'll be surprised when you start to just accept it love it and, and give it compassion that spirit of pain that's come to the body is talking to you have compassion for your body because it needs you to listen to it and then Something kicks into those other parts of self. Your emotions come up and then your spiritual intelligence will help you organise that and place that and take it somewhere. And so you take it to the wisdom again. You take it to the wisdom and your mind is in there trying to bring you back to belief systems, but you watch the mind. So it comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning is having that witness to it all as well.
0: Very helpful. (laughs) Yeah, because the mind is always seeking... The concrete, the rational, for someone suffering from chronic uh, pain, it's seeing the doctor, it's having the x-ray, it's the doctor saying you've got this and the mind is saying that's what the source of pain is. But what you're talking about is very different. The source of pain as, as spiritual, as attached to an event in the past that's either feminine or masculine or both. So, when I asked you the question, can you heal yourself? Is it just through that love and c- compassion? Or is it through meditation? No doubt you've heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza.
1: Yes, I, I have heard of him, of course.
0: Yes, yeah, so many years I, I read a book of his, which was incredible. And it was something you said earlier it's being grateful in advance, is effectively the summation of what he talks about. But he's had incredible stories of people healing themselves from. Chronic injuries, how how do we explain that? Is it the spirit? He talks about being in in touch with the inner self and letting that inner self heal that part of the body. Yes.
1: Yeah, and he had uh, the choice of having a whole lot of operations. I think he had something like 12 breaks in his body. He decided to mend them instead with meditation and did incredible look I think that when you're in that kind of pain and when you've got the driver behind that is how will my life be if I go through all these operations would I prefer to do that or would I prefer to see what I resources I can draw out from inside of myself you have to have a driver to to make it happen I think that's my professional observation and it's also my personal observation so in my early days my driver was often fear and it's a great driver I can remember when I was diagnosed with quite a large cyst in my pancreas and I thought, I'm going to see if I can manage that by myself. And I did. It took six weeks of daily practice. So every day I went into the lump, I visualized it in my head and I saw it shrinking. But before I saw it shrinking, I asked what its message was and I just had conversation with it. But I spent time with it and then I imagined it getting smaller and smaller each day. And I also put healing balm on it. And brought in some healers to come in and help me with it, cut away the angry bits and tracked it a bit more into my body, got into the reasons to why it was there. But the, the biggest driver was fear. I was afraid that I might have something that could turn into cancer. And so I didn't want that to happen. And it was like, let's do this. So that's what got me to do it every day. And then I had other lumps in my body, two other lumps that I disintegrated, one in 10 days. I went to the doctor, had a scan done 10 days later, that lump was gone. It was the size of a pea, It was in one of my breasts. I did some art mandalas every day and I drew, this is a wonderful thing to do. I drew the lump and I drew an arrow from where it was coming from into the lump. And then I drew arrows going out on the page every day. And I just visualized it moving out of my body like that. And 10 days later, I, I knew it was gone. I went back to the doctor. She did another scan. It was gone. However, there have been times more recently that I've had things that are taking longer and currently working on because I don't have that fear driving me like I used to. I have a great peace inside of me and a great trust inside of me. And so I'm exploring a different kind of way of just taking a little bit more time and letting this experience or whatever I have inside of me giving it a little bit more time. I don't want to have intervention. There have been two times when I have had intervention in the past, in the early days too. I've had lots more than that actually. Yeah, in the early days it was the first place I went to was the doctor and the surgeon's knife. But long story short, yes, you can heal yourself.
0: It's a really beautiful story of hope. So I'm sure a lot of people that are listening now that might be going through any one of those eight areas of life, pain, Mm -hmm you can heal a relationship, you can heal your body, you can (laughs) heal your business, you can heal your finances, any one of those eight areas of life. So it's a beautiful message. I'd love to do a deeper dive into some of these areas. I'm going to adopt some of these practices, go a little bit deeper. I've been experiencing chronic hip pain for the last 18 months and during that time, I've discovered so many people that have chronic pain, and that's why I raised it. So it was from personal experience. I'm I'm really keen to try what you just said because I have used the visualization, the power of vision, which is a faculty that humans were given for a reason, right? It's the sixth sense, like we're given a sense of taste for a reason, but nobody sees their creative imagination as a sixth sense that can be used positively. So I've used it in the past to build amazing businesses, to create amazing relationships, and you've just prompted me to now use it to, uh, <laughs> to heal thyself through meditation. But I love what you said. It's about listening to it first. Why is it there? There was something empowering about that. I felt like that's the first step you need to do before trying to heal something.
1: Validating it, Yes. Don't forget that you can create an inner healer inside of you. You can have a medicine man or a medicine woman in there. I say grandmother or grandfather in your heritage. If you go back to Lebanon, all, all cultures have had the healers. And, and go back to the healer inside of you, your grandmother, or maybe grandfather, I'm sensing more, and say to him, I need your help with this one. Bring him into the picture. Ask him, what do you think is going on here with my hip? What what do I do? need to do more of or less of to help with this? And... Have those conversations. You'll be surprised what will come up.
0: It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Heather. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and have this conversation. And I hope everyone that's listening has been inspired to go on this journey of discovering the self. And if you want to know more, we will put a link in the description of Heather's website, and hopefully, Heather, you'll come back as well and have a, another conversation with us.
1: I'd love to, Sam. And if I can just mention also something that's coming up just very quickly that I'm part of. I've been a co-author of quite a few books. And this last one is called A Thousand Ripples Effect. It actually has some really interesting authors in there. I better not give away too much. But I've just written the Ford for one of the books. There's six books. And some extraordinary people are contributing. And they're going to be put in all the libraries that are possible for young people. So there are a thousand pieces of snippets of wisdom from wise people. For young people stepping out into the world who've come from foster care, who've come from homes who they haven't had the wise advocates around them. And so it's called A Thousand Ripples Effect. And Stacey Hewish is behind that project. I just wanted to mention that for such a worthy cause so look out for that one it won't be far away
0: how do we stay in touch with that and then
1: get you out find it? it you can find it uh if you just it's been a two-year project and if you google it all the details will be there so a thousand ripples effect is the name of the books the six books and stacy huish h-u-i-s-h is behind the project and you'll find it on my new website i'll make sure i have a link there as well for that and i can even put it on my old one so that people can find it more easily
0: Wonderful. Thank you uh, very much, Heather. We'll continue to have this uh, discussion offline because I want to ask you a few other questions. But for everyone else that's uh, listening, I hope you have an amazing day. And as always, live consciously, my friends.